Ironsonics, we've got a guest speaker here today, which means I get a little bit of a break, and so I decided to invite Jesus here to speak to us today. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so this is Kyle Boxbot. He is the Director of Church Multiplication, which means that he guides and supports all of the church plans, which means he's actually my boss. He works with the district office, but he's much more than that. He's a part of River Life. You've probably seen him, his wife Molly, and the two little kids, June and Elle, running around here. Um, so you've probably seen him. They're a vital part of River Life, and we're thrilled to have him, and he's a great ministry partner and friend to me as well. So I'm going to hand this off to Kyle. Um, and it, one of the other great things about days like this is I get to go like hang out in the nursery, and I go down to Kids Min, and I lurk in the youth ministry, so you'll see me wandering around a little bit. Thanks, Henry. Good morning. Good morning. You guys are, you're a good looking church. I never get to see you all here, so. Hey. Um, as Greg said, I'm the director of church multiplication. I get to help start new churches, new ministries. I assist men and women who have a dream of expanding God's kingdom, and I do everything I can to help bring that dream into reality. Our churches in our district were all of Minnesota and the eastern half of the Dakotas, and we looked to plan to start fresh expressions of the gospel of Jesus to the four million unchurched people living in this geographic area. Our varied churches include vibrant urban communities like St. Paul, Minneapolis, to small farming communities, to Native American reservations, and we have churches in all of those areas. For the last seven years, I was a pastor of a church in the Midway neighborhood in St. Paul. My wife and I still live in St. Paul, uh, kind of by Lake Como. Uh, you probably walked by my house on the way to J4. We live right in that neighborhood. <laughs> Greg and Pink Floyd got the parking spot at our house this year, so I probably shouldn't announce that because you'll probably next year you'll be looking for a parking spot. Um, when I took this job in January, so I'm pretty new to the job, our family decided to make River Life our church home. So I married Molly's right there. She loves being pointed out and being the center of attention. <laughs> and I have two kids. I've got to give a special shout out. Any, anyone in here work in the nursery ever? You probably had to hold my crying son, Elm. Thank you. You're awesome. You're the best. He has separation anxiety. He cries less and less every week. And then Kidsmen people, how many Kidsmen helpers are in here today? Okay, Kidsmen Helpers, I guarantee each of you have had to tell my daughter to be quiet during the lesson at some time, uh, my daughter June, so thank you uh, for doing that. You all, Greg, Pengfua, all have been so welcoming to us and making this our church, and so we just want to thank you. We feel really part of what you guys are doing here, so what we are doing here. All right, so I'm going to talk to you about patience today. Are you a patient person? Any of you? A patient person? I'm going to show you a little video. I'm flying to Chicago for my work this week, so I'm going to fly in and out of O'Hare this week. This is a video that a person took on their cell phone of a line at the O'Hare airport waiting to get to security. So if you think you are a patient person, look at this video, and, and at the end of it, tell me if you're still a patient person. Okay, let's start the video. I'm just going to kind of narrate. So there's the line. You see all of the things are filled up. All right, so how would you feel, okay, where's the end of the line? It's a bad news when you can't even see the end of the line. How would you feel if you were walking there? Are you, are you still patient? Well, it's still going, it's still going. 
This is what's going to wait for me on Friday. Really excited about that. Still going. At what point would you just give up and move to Chicago? <laughs> At some point I'd say, I'm just going to stay here. I'm not going to go through this. It's still going. Do you feel patient right now? Just, just watching this rise in patience in you? There it goes. Oh, around the corner, that must be the end, right? Mm, not yet. Oh, okay, around that corner must be the end, right? No, not yet. Oh, You're probably wondering how long is this going to go, and it keeps going. Just wait. Waiting in line, yeah. That guy's the one patient person. I want to see his reaction when he finally gets through the line, if he's still waving, if he's still happy. Oh, alright, here we go, let's... I hope, I hope all these people went to the bathroom uh, before they got in line. Oh, six minutes. Cool, thank you. Perfect. Still going. Yeah. Yeah, six hours. It's six hours. I have thought about it. <laughs> have you driven in Chicago traffic? Do you think that would be much better? <laughs> Alright, so okay, I promise. We're gonna get to the end of this line. I thought about cutting this short, but I thought, no, you gotta see what this is how this ends once we get there. I think we're coming up to it. See the end is in sight. That took about four minutes just to walk to the end of the line. Think of what it takes to go through there. So let me ask you, are you a patient person? How does that make you feel? <laughs> I can tell you how it makes me feel anxious. I want to just get to where I'm going. I think we all have an issue with patience. When I was in middle school, maybe when you were in middle school, all you wanted to do was get to what? High school, because high school would be great. Once you're in high school, all you want to do is college. And once you're in college, you kind of get sick of the college thing, you think, I just want to get a real job and be out on my own. And the second you're out on your own working a real job, you think, what was I thinking? This is horrible. I just want to retire. And then maybe, 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 once you retire, you realize that you impatiently rushed through all of the things you were supposed to enjoy. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that's the case when I retire. Back. I work with church planters. This is not an indictment on Greg. This is all my church planters. By definition, they are self-starters. They want to get things done. They want to do new things. They're self-starters. They have ideas and dreams, and they want to do it right now. Patience is not a church planter characteristic. No offense, Greg. <laughs> That's what makes someone a good church planter is that they want to implement things and do things and expand things. So it's good. These things are funny to us, right? Some of these things. Sometimes waiting is really hard. Waiting is really painful. When you're single and you really want to be married, you think God called you to be married. Waiting for that opportunity can be so hard. It can be so painful. When you're unable to get pregnant and you really want to be a parent, those years of waiting We've been there. It can be really hard and really painful. When you see someone that you're close to, that you love, a friend, a family member, you love them with all your heart, but they don't have an interest in God, and you know that having a relationship with God would bring so much hope to their life, waiting for them to show a spark 
of desire to know God is hard. It's so painful. Waiting is hard. Waiting is painful. And if we're able to get ourselves out of waiting, we will do anything we can to get out of waiting mode to whatever's next, right? So as I think about this, I think about the early church. The early church, the book of Acts. It's amazing stories. But the early church had a great need for patience. Let me tell you why. The early church was not in the majority. They couldn't elect their own officials that would be good to them. Actually, the book of Acts shows us they were horribly mistreated because of their faith. In times of persecution, times when people are being killed, hurt, mistreated because of their faith, patience becomes even more necessary because there's nothing you can do to change the situation. The early church couldn't do anything to just make everything better. All they could do was live through it. Patiently live through this persecution. So I was reading a book and it had a quote by this guy named Cyprian. He's what's called a church father. So he was kind of a pastor to the church after the New Testament was written. So his writings aren't in the Bible, but he has some really good things to say. We can learn a lot about the early church from people like him. And he wrote this quote, and this is a compelling quote. I think I'm going to have it up here on the screen. We do not speak great things, but live them. So he's talking to the church, and he's telling the Christians, Christians are kinds of people that do not speak great things. We don't just say we're going to do something good, but we actually live them. We do great things. We're people of action. So I read this quote, and I think, whoa, I'm going to do something awesome. I'm going to... I'm gonna climb a mountain. I'm gonna start a self-sacrificial nonprofit. I'm gonna be a missionary. I'm gonna do something great, right? Doesn't that quote make you feel that? We don't speak great things; we do them. Cyprian, after he said this, did not confirm what I thought he would say. This is the end of the quote: "We do not speak great things, but live them. Therefore, as servants and worshipers of God." Let us show by spiritual homage the patience that we learn from the heavenly teachings. For that virtue we have in common with God. We don't speak great things, but we live them. Therefore, we are patient. Think about that. Is patience a great thing? Something to strive for? Actually, the early church fathers, these people that wrote, of all the characteristics, of all the things about God that they wrote about, the number one thing that they wrote about was patience. Patience. So that got me thinking, this must be an important thing. So Christians do great things for God, and that great thing, one of the great things, is we are patient people. Are you a patient person? <laughs> See why this is important? Here's why this is important. When we exhibit patience, we demonstrate the character of God to the world. See, God is patient. And when we exhibit patience in our lives, we show the world what God is like. So when you step back and look at the big story of the Bible, so I'm, I'm saying the whole story becomes obvious that God is patient. 
human sin and severed their relationship with God, God began an amazing tens of thousands of year plan to give us the opportunity to live in relationship with God. So I'm going to just hit on a couple of these stories that exhibit how God is patient. The first one is in Israel, forming Israel. How many of you all have seen uh, Prince of Egypt? You grew up with that cartoon? You at least know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. So God, Israel, they're in slavery. God's going to deliver them and make a people that's going to experience God's presence, right? How old do you think Moses was when God implemented this plan? The Bible says Moses was 80 years old when he went and spoke to Pharaoh. 80 years. God is patient. He waited 80 years for Moses to become the kind of person that he could use. 80 years. Then, when Israelites kept kind of sinning and going their own way and doing their own thing, God let them wander around for 40 more years in the wilderness, right? To try to turn them into the kind of people that would exhibit his character to the world. See, God cared as much about the Israelites' character being formed as he did getting the job done. How often do you just want to get the job done and not get the character formed? So God was patient with them. He waited. So God was patient in forming Israel. The other thing God showed his patience was in sending a Savior. After Israel was formed, the prophets started talking about that there was going to be a Savior that was going to come. We know that Savior to be Jesus. They didn't know who it was going to be. And they kept thinking, well, maybe the next one born will be, G be the Savior, or the next one. And they were looking for that person. And generation after generation after generation passed. God was patient. This is what the Apostle Paul said. But when the time, set time had fully come, when the time had come, not right away, but when the time was right, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, that we might be God's kids. But God was willing to wait for the right time. God was patient. Um, I have a theory, I've been around a lot of older people, I know there's some older people here. The older people get, the more they talk about Jesus coming back. <laughs> And I think sometimes it's because they like have a perspective that some of us younger people maybe don't have. We can learn a lot from that. We all want Jesus to come back. Jesus has promised that he's going to return. And this world that's full of injustice, he's going to bring justice to it. Um, whenever I see injustice, I say, come Jesus sooner, because <laughs> I hate living in a world full of injustice. Seems like we've had to wait a long time, a couple thousand years, right? Here's what Peter said. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's patient with us. God is patient with us. He's patient with you. He wants you to know him. He's patient with people who don't know him. He wants them to know him. So he's not slow in sending Jesus back. He's patient. It's a difference. So those are just three examples of how God is patient with us. That's the character of God. I want to 
take that, God is patient, our culture is impatient. We want everything right now. If you looked down at your phone right now and the light was blinking, would you have to open it? <laughs> Mine has a blue light. I know it well. If I see the blue light in my mind, that means open phone now. Because someone's emailed me or texted me and they would expect me to respond right away. I'm talking fast because that's how we, our brains operate. People used to send letters. Do all of you know what a letter is? <laughs> you wrote it with your hand and paper and a pen. And then, if it was a long time ago, you waited for the ink to dry. <laughs> and you waited. And then you folded it and you put a stamp on it. You had to go buy the stamp, so that took some more time. And that would take weeks for someone to get a message from you. That meant it would take months or more for you to get a message back. Can you even imagine? <laughs> they didn't know about the blinking blue light. <laughs> and how that would govern everything that we do. I'm terrible at that. All my wife, she puts up with me. Terrible. You know where else our culture talks about, shows us the value of impatience, and this is a way more serious one. And that's in pornography. You might think, what's pornography have to do with impatience? Pornography is impatience with sexual desire. People cannot wait to have their desires fulfilled by a spouse, so they turn to have their desires fulfilled immediately through pornography. It's impatience. It's almost like a drug. It releases a chemical in your brain. Our culture is full of pornography. It's full of impatience. We don't know how to wait. That's our culture. The church, by and large, has a problem with impatience, too. Think of the word discipleship, the process that people go through to become Christ-like. The process that we go through. How long does it really take for us to become Christ-like? <clears throat> If you went onto a website that sells Christian materials, they might say, here's a 1099 course, six-week course, and by the end of six weeks, you'll be just like Jesus. Huh? Does that work? Just pray a prayer and your whole character is that of Jesus? Is it a year-long process? Have we let our society's view of impatience cloud what's obviously true? That discipleship is a lifelong process. That we'll have many bumps and bruises, but we continue to grow in Christ's likeness. It's a lifelong process of um, growing. But we're patient. We want everything right now. So patience is in our world, and it's in the church. In order to grow patience, I think the key is to develop trust in God. Trust in God. Do you think God is trustworthy? So when you became a Christian, you said, God, I trust you with my eternal destiny. My future is in your hands. There is nothing I can do in my own strength 
And I am going to trust that Jesus' death and resurrection gives me a new life and a future in God's kingdom. You have trusted God with your future, your eternal future. If you haven't done that yet, come on, do it. God is trustworthy. So why is it so hard to trust God with my life now? I've trusted Him with my eternal future. But I'm so impatient. That thing in my life that I can't change, that thing that I have no power over, that I think about all the time, that keeps me up at night, why am I so impatient about that? Why can't I trust God with that? Sometimes I think God allows us to struggle with our impatience so that we can learn to trust Him in a deeper way. Sometimes God allows us to go through that process that makes us a deeper disciple. A couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I had put a new stove in our house, and we fired it up to make some cookies. And then the smoke came out of it. And the smoke kept coming out of it. It was thick black smoke. Something had gone wrong with this new oven. And I put this, I, Molly ran the kids out of there, and I, there was black smoke filling our house. I quickly thought, baking soda. And so I put the fire out of baking soda, which is stupid, don't put a fire out next to a gas line. Call called the fire department. But it led to our entire inside of our house being filled with soot, a thin layer of soot on every single surface. So the insurance company came and they said, well, we have to redo every surface in your house. And so it led to Molly and I and our two little kids, Alma was maybe six months old, living in a hotel for nine weeks. And our insurance company was great. If you work for an insurance company, I have nothing bad to say about you. I will just say this. Insurance companies teach you patience and reveal your impatience in a different way. Because they don't always answer the call, and they sometimes make you wait, make you wait till the last minute to get an answer on things. And that nine weeks, I was more stressed than ever in my life, before or after. I didn't know what was going to happen. I couldn't control anything. It was all out of our control. We're living in this hotel with our kids. All our possessions, most of our possessions got thrown out. Anything was plastic on it. So we're just there. We didn't even know who had all our stuff. They sent it to different places. We were so stressed out. I was so stressed out. Um, the months that followed, I had to recognize in myself that even though I had trusted God with my eternal future, I had a really hard time trusting God with my stuff, with my house, and with this process, and I just wanted to control it. It was out of my control. I felt like a failure in my trust in God. Have any of you ever felt like that? Why can't I just trust God with this thing that's out of my control? I'd grown so impatient. Yet, through going all through all of that, admitting that, realigning myself and saying, God, I want to learn to trust you. I want to learn to trust you. I began a process of developing trust in God in a deeper way. So now I'm cured, right? But I did start on a journey of learning to trust God even with my stuff. So why is this so important? I want to give you just one big picture thing before I give you a couple things of how we can apply this. 
I really think this patience thing is so important for us as Christians, especially, because as we develop patience, people in the world will see us as different, as unique. See, our culture is so impatient. If we're able to show patience in the midst of difficulties, people will really see what God is like. Yes, God is loving, God is holy, but I think patience also gives us a unique ability, a unique ability to show the character of God. People will say, how are you breathing right now? Shouldn't you be all up in arms? We have a unique ability to trust in God as Christians. We're patient. So, how do you get there? How do you do it? I'm not going to sell you the 1099 curriculum, but I am going to talk to you about two practices that for me as a recovering impatientaholic um, have been really helpful for me as I've tried to learn to be more patient. The first one is this, prayer. Prayer. Well, that's easy enough. The Bible talks a lot about prayer. What do I mean by that? I've had to learn to submit the things I'm impatient about to Jesus. I think of it like I'm turning a paper, and I used to be a high school teacher. I submit it to Jesus. Let him do with it what he wants. When you submit a paper, do you get to mess with it anymore? How many of you have ever submitted a paper you wanted to mess with some more? <laughs> well, this is the best I've got. We submit we submit the things we're anxious about to Jesus. Trust that Jesus knows what to do with those. So, at the start of my day, if I have a giant to-do list, a whole bunch of stuff to do, I usually am pretty impatient. I want to get everything done. I want to work. I want to get things done. And I think, in my mind, that if I get enough things done, then I won't be impatient anymore. Somehow, I think that work is the answer to impatience. That by doing more work, I can cure myself of being impatient. But that never worked. There's always another thing on the list. I could never cross everything off. Even if I could, I might still have that thing that I can do nothing about that I'm impatient about. So prayer teaches us another way. The fruit of the Spirit, one of them is patience. So the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in your life should be increased patience. We don't get patience by getting rid of things to be impatient about on our to-do list. We gain patience by submitting to the Spirit and let the Spirit work in our lives. No matter how many things you cross off your to-do list, you will always be impatient unless you learn to Say that again. No matter how many things you cross off your list, you will always be impatient unless you learn to pray. Your phone will not stop blinking. There will always be another thing on your list. Why do we pray? We pray to receive comfort from God. Waiting is hard. Waiting is patient. Waiting is difficult. It's painful. We need comfort while we wait. And through prayer, God wants to comfort us. We pray to let Jesus calm us and quiet us. That the storm inside of us, that impatient thing that we can't change, be calmed and 
quieted. We pray to let the Holy Spirit be the one that prompts us into action. Sometimes when we're impatient, we do things we wouldn't normally do, right? So we want to bring things to the end because we want to not have to be impatient anymore. But when we pray, we can let the Holy Spirit direct us of whether we're supposed to act or not. For me, a couple summers ago was about creating a pattern for morning prayer. A pattern that makes me slow down. Remember that God is the one who ultimately is in control. God is the one that can ultimately make things happen. And my job is to submit to his rule and his reign. To make myself present to the God of the universe. You know that there's a prayer meeting here on Wednesday nights? I haven't gotten to come yet. I honestly don't know how we recover from impatience apart from prayer. I just don't know how you do it as a Christian. And if you're like saying, like, I don't know what that even looks like, we have a great resource. She's right here in the front row. She's leading a prayer meeting. It's right here. It's on Wednesday night, every other week, this Wednesday. Just come. Maybe Jesus wants to calm that thing that's in you that you just can't get over. Maybe Jesus wants to comfort you. But if we don't pray, how do we receive that? If we don't show up, how does God do that in us? So prayer is one of the patterns of impatience. The cures are impatience. The second one for me, I've been really bad at this one this last two months. So I'm putting one up there that my wife and I were really good at for a while, and now we've been talking about how do we do this in our new season of life. So the second one is called Sabbath. Just like God rested on the seventh day, to take 24-hour period per week to stop working, do some intentional steps to focus on God. On our Sabbath day, our, our thing is we, there's no have-tos. There's no have-tos. So what everything I have to do that's not something for Sabbath. Having a Sabbath for me has meant learning to let my work week be sufficient. See, I would just keep working, trying to check things off the list, thinking that if I could get the list done, that I wouldn't be impatient. Sabbath is saying, well, even though I quit working, God doesn't. God is still in control, and I can stop. That act of stopping brings me different sense of patience. Sometimes, sometimes, I even have the guts to turn my phone off. Not always, but sometimes I do, because that'll keep the blue light away. You ever take some time, about have-tos, just think about who God is, give yourself a day, maybe it starts with a half a day, a morning, where there's no have-tos. I'm going to focus myself on God and His presence. Allow myself to be uh, present to God and allow God to be present to me. That, for me, helps the impatience. The list. It's a day where I say the list doesn't matter. My relationship with God matters more. So we don't do great things, but we live them. I want to be part of a church that doesn't just say great things, but we live them. 
So as Christians, church, can we patiently endure hardship, discomfort, pain, stress, because of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives? The practices of prayer and Sabbath, let us place God as the giver of good gifts, the mover of mountains, the strength in our weakness. And the good news is this, that through the patience given to you by God, the people in your life will see God. They will see what God is like, even in your struggles, and even in your pain. I am more and more convinced that in our world of impatience, one of the best ways to exhibit for people what God is like is to submit ourselves to God in developing the virtue of patience.